It is great to have everybody with us as we celebrate this Mother's Day. It's an honor to have you here today. Today is especially nice, as I mentioned before, because last year was very different for us. And aside from Easter and Christmas, there are probably, I don't know if there's another Sunday that is considered as big on the church calendar as Mother's Day. Of course, there are multiple reasons for that. It could be argued that individually there is not a single other person who has influenced us as much as our mothers have. Since the advent of the industrial age, most men have worked outside of the home for many decades. And I know that more recent societal changes have led to many women working outside of the home as well. However, it would seem that in most cases, moms tend to be home more than dads do. And please forgive the stereotypes, but there is also a tenderness that exists within most moms that seems quite foreign to most dads. If someone scrapes a knee, mom is the one who tends to be more compassionate, cleaning it up and bandaging it while the dad simply mumbles, suck it up. Uh, I know that uh, that's the way it works in my house, but maybe that's not the way it is in your house. Maybe I got it backwards and your mom is the one who's telling you to suck it up. Uh, but that is the stereotype. Most of us probably have heard that behind every great man is an even greater woman. And while I would agree with that statement, I would just add that behind every great person is also likely a great mother who has shown them the way. So today, we simply give thanks to God for the mothers that have been a part of our lives. Now, I do recognize, again, that there are those who seem a bit conflicted regarding Mother's Day. Perhaps your mom wasn't as kind and compassionate like I've just described, or perhaps she was all of those things, but perhaps today brings grief as you remember her passing. Of course, there are also those who have longed to be a mom, yet they've been unable to do so. Regardless of where you are today, I want you to know that the characteristics that will be described in the message today are absolutely something that should be a part of each of our lives. If you are a mom or if your mom is already passed away, we're all in the same boat with this today. Today we are here to be challenged, to be changed. And who knows who might be watching you even now. I'm fortunate that my mom is here with us today, but for years I served in ministry roles where she was unavailable. In fact, she lived in the D.C. area, and I've never even pastored close to there. I think the closest I was was a couple hours away when I was in the Philadelphia area. In those various ministry roles, there were surrogate moms who came and in many ways served as family to me. They may not have been mothers or grandmothers, but to my family, that's exactly what they were. Now, I want to start today's message with a picture. Is that going to be on the screen there? Oh, this was a, a package that I got uh, not that long ago. Uh, we took a group of individuals. The staff went up to uh, Sam's to grab some buns. We had an event that was taking place, and, you know, at first glance, does anything look out of the ordinary with this picture? They're hamburger buns. When I saw this particular package sitting on the shelf, I don't remember if we were getting hot dog buns or hamburger buns, but obviously it wasn't right. 
the first thought that went through my mind was, you had one job to do, and somebody didn't get that right. Well, as parents, you have one job to do. I know that you will be required to do many other jobs along the way, but that one job that you have been tasked with is to train up a child in the way that he or she should go. Your job is not only to point your children in the right direction, but to lead them in the right direction, to lead them to Christ. As your children grow older, your success as a parent will not be measured by how good your kids were at sports. It will not be measured with how big your house is or how successful your children are outside of the home. It will not be measured by how good your children are academically. I hope that your family is blessed in all of these areas, but they are all at best secondary to the one job that you have to accomplish. What matters most will be, did you introduce your children to Jesus Christ? You have one job to do, so you need to do it. As we look at biblical models of motherhood, we find many examples worthy of imitation. You have the sacrificial love of Mary. You have the Old Testament example of Hannah, who prayed for her son even before he was born. You have the selfless love displayed through Naomi and Ruth and in Eve. We don't always think of her as being a great motherly example, but you have the image of a mother who likely grieved over her children and the impact of her and Adam's own moral failure upon their children. They actually had to deal with one of their own children killing another child, and none of that would have ever happened had Adam and Eve not committed sin. Well, this morning I want us to look at a woman who may or may not have been a mother. There's certainly no mention of her having children. It comes from a passage found in Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 43. And if you want to turn there in your Bibles, you can do so. We've been looking at various sermons throughout the book of Acts. And while most of those sermons were delivered through an orator like Peter or Paul, the greatest sermon will not occur from behind a pulpit. It will be delivered through the life that powerfully reflects God's presence, his message of redemption and grace to humanity. I know that we're not yet to the message, but I wonder today if your life would proclaim God's redemption and grace to those that are around you. My hope is that it would. Let's take a look at the passage for a moment again. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 43. This is what it says. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him. 
Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the windows stood, all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all aside and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. Now, for the sake of simplicity, I'm going to refer to this individual, our main character today, as Tabitha. She apparently went by both Tabitha and Dorcas, depending on who she was around. The first is Aramaic and the other is Greek, which speaks to the diversity of people that she dealt with on a daily basis. However, the first mention of her is Tabitha, so that's what I'm going to use for today. But more important than her name, she was a woman who had made a difference with her life. No doubt, she was a hero that would be missed if she were gone. Verse 36 says that she was full of good works and acts of charity. And then a little bit later, we see some widows that are actually showing off the items that she had made for them. The point is that she had been a blessing to an awful lot of people. As I think about this woman of God, I am immediately reminded of what a godly woman ought to look like according to the book of Proverbs chapter 31. It begins in verse 10 with a question saying, an excellent wife who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The passage then goes through a list of characteristics that are beautiful and valued. She is trusted she is loved by her husband. She works hard, providing for both her husband and her children. She is both healthy and wise. And in the, then in verse 20, we read that she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. That sounds a little bit like Tabitha to me. And then I love in verse 27 through 30, which sort of summarizes the godly woman. It says, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain or fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Such a woman will by nature make a difference in her world. Have you ever wondered if anyone would notice if you were gone? I've thought that regarding the church and regarding myself as an individual. You know, if this church were to suddenly just disappear from the corner. Would the community even know that we had left? And if it way, such questions help me to evaluate our impact in the local community. And while I think 
that we're doing a pretty good job of impacting our community, there's still very much work left to be done. But I also ask that question regarding myself. The day will come where God will take me from this place, hopefully many, many decades from now. Or maybe he will choose to come back even sooner and he'll take us all at the same time, which would be wonderful. But when I am gone, gone, regardless of when that happens, will I have left this place better than when I found it? Will I have made a difference in people's lives so that they even notice that I'm gone? And I hope so. I want to be like Tabitha. I mean, she apparently touched people with her generosity, with her thoughtfulness, with her compassion, much like a mom does with her child. In essence, she is a Proverbs 31 woman. Again, she may or may not have been married. She may or may not have had children, but she opened her hand to the poor and she reached out her hands to the needy. And although it never really defines her relationship with Christ, the assumption is that her generosity and compassion was a direct result of the fact that she was a woman who feared the Lord. May each of us imitate that regardless of whether we have children or not. Now, I want to move away from the discussion about Tabitha for a moment because there's another character that is brought into this particular story, and I think it's really important for us to take notice of it. I want to talk about Peter. According to verse 38, Peter is staying in a nearby town when Tabitha dies. It is estimated that Joppa would have been somewhere around eight miles away, which sounds close, but They didn't have modes of transportation the way we do today. In fact, it still would have required some effort to get there and then to bring him back. You know, one of the most impressive things about this passage for me is the fact that upon Tabitha's death, the believers in Lydda immediately thought to call upon Peter. It would seem that there was an expectation regarding God's power. They didn't just see Peter as a good preacher or teacher of philosophy. They saw him as God's spirit-filled vessel. They approached the Lord's servant with a sense of anticipation, believing that God could do and wanted to do great things. You know, I asked you earlier if anyone would notice if you were gone. That's reflecting on your impact, the impact that you're making in the lives of others today. But I also wonder today, do you still expect God to move in your life or in the life of the church? Do you come with a sense of anticipation, believing that church attendance is more than just fulfilling some ritualistic obligation? Or would it surprise you if God actually showed up in our services And did something spectacular. I mean the scriptures tell us that he inhabits the praises of his people. Do you really expect him to be here today? I will just tell you he is here today. He is faithful and he will keep every promise that he has made. He is absolutely here with us today. 
part of why the friends of Tabitha had this sense of expectation was because they had likely heard many stories of how God had already worked miraculously through Peter. In fact, maybe they had also heard of the miracles of Jesus, the fact that Jesus had raised multiple people from the dead. And and maybe they had heard about Jesus' words to his disciples, that they would do even greater things than these which you have seen. It would certainly seem that Peter was the guy to talk to about Tabitha, even though she's already dead. I wonder if part of the reason that so few people expect God to show up on Sundays now is because so few churches have truly experienced the power of God for a long time. Please don't take this as in any way a slam on other churches, but it is the reality that for many, God's transforming, healing, and redeeming power seems to either be a thing of the past or something that has become hypothetical at best. We no longer expect God to show up because we haven't seen him in years, but the truth is he still inhabits the praises of his people. That means when two or three come together in his name, when we gather for a time of worship, he is here and he desires to work. But the problem is that for many of us, we no longer are willing to allow him to work in us. In fact, some might suggest that there's no expectation of God's spirit being present because we are seeing the words of 2 Timothy chapter 3 played out right in front of us. It says this in verses 1 through 5, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, such an appropriate phrase as we deal with Mother's Day. Ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness. What a horrible statement. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Maybe it is is time for the church to once again preach a bold holiness gospel that genuinely leads to transformation, having more than a form of godliness, but the kind of godliness that shows off the power of God. Maybe then we will be able to once again approach God with a sense of anticipation. All right, so I want to go back to Tabitha. That was just kind of a side note. I want to go back to Tabitha as I kind of bring this to a head this morning. Yes, she is a good lady. She is generous and she is caring to those around her. And yes, the people anticipated that the mighty hand of God could and would move in the moment of their crisis. But what would happen now? The passage tells us that Tabitha was made alive that Peter took her by the hand and he raised her up. And as she was made alive, she then becomes a living testimony to what God could do. 
What that means is that she didn't crawl up under a rock and let this miracle remain a secret. I always found it interesting. At times, Jesus would tell people, don't tell anyone what I did for you. Well, imagine you were blind and suddenly you could see, or you were lame and suddenly you could walk, and Jesus telling you, keep this a secret. How do you keep such things a secret? This woman was dead. How could she not let everyone know that she has now been made alive? In fact, it says that many believed in the Lord because of what had been done. This is not all that different to me from the story of Lazarus, who was raised from the dead. And when the plot was executed to have Jesus arrested and killed, there was actually discussion about how they could also arrange for the same death to come upon Lazarus, as so many people were believing in Jesus on account of this miracle. Imagine this woman who has served in such an incredibly compassionate and generous capacity suddenly having the opportunity where so many people are now giving their hearts to the Lord and choosing to follow him because they now see a transformed life in front of them. The application with this is quite simple. As others look upon your life, do they see someone who has been brought from death into life. I told you at the beginning that mothers, and I'll expand it to parents, you have one job. Your job is to show your children Jesus Christ, to train them up in the way of the Lord. There is no greater job, and that begins with you modeling it before them. You have been made alive in Christ, so now live. Show them what it is to be a child of God, not just by showing up to church on Sunday morning. Yeah, that's really nice, and it is something you should be doing. Not just by getting involved in a ministry. It's probably something that's very good for you to do. Not just by tithing, even though obviously that's something that we all ought to be doing. I'm talking about in the way you live your life around your children. I guarantee you, As a parent, I know that I have made many mistakes, and I hate to admit this, but I do actually have regrets as a parent, but my God has forgiven me, and he equips me to be transformed. You say, well, this isn't about me. I'm a parent. It's about my kids. No, it is about me too. You see, the reality is, is I am a work in progress, and it's okay for my kids to see that progress. I didn't receive some instruction manual. I know someone said, well, you do have an instruction manual. It's the Bible. Man, I I tell you what, as a new parent, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. I didn't know how to make the right decisions. I could try, and I certainly did, but I haven't always made the right decisions. Along the way, I've made many that have not been right. But I'm learning what it is to be a parent. I am a child of God, and I want my children to be children of God as well. While I know that my kids are not perfect, they do make me proud. I'll say it because they already left the service because they're over with the children. They do make me proud. Not because of their intelligence or their talent or their social skills, even though those things are all present with my kids. 
but rather because they are genuinely seeking the Lord. Y'all have no idea how exciting it is when I get to worship with them at the beginning of the service. When they're standing beside me and I look over and my kids' hands are raised, worshiping the Lord. Somebody recently sent me a picture. They were sitting up here in the balcony, apparently by the angle of the picture. Sent me a picture and it was us worshiping together and it was me and my youngest son and my daughter and the only one that wasn't in, my, in the picture was my oldest son, and he was actually up here on the stage playing the drums. I got to tell you, as a dad, I thought, that's what I want. I want my children to worship the Lord, to know the Lord. I want that to be a part of their lives. And yes, I've made many, many mistakes, and I'm so grateful for the grace that God has shown in the midst of those mistakes. But I know that as parents, we have no greater responsibility than to point our children and to lead our children to Jesus Christ. This job that we have cannot be passed on to anyone else. I remember many years ago, as a youth pastor, I had a mom who came to me and she said, actually, I'm not going to mention the name of the, the youth because... There are those from that church that do listen to our services each week. The mom came to me and said she was very concerned about her son. She said, I, I need you to point him to Jesus. I said, I will do the best that I can, but that's not my job. That's your job. As a parent, the individual who has the greatest responsibility in raising your child is you. I am so grateful for Lee and Amy, and I do wish that they could be with us this morning. Lee does an amazing job with our teenagers. He has been such an incredible blessing, and I know that God is going to do incredible things in the year to come and even beyond through Pastor Lee. Amy has done an amazing job working with our children. Her heart is to point kids to Jesus. And I love the ministry that they do. But do you know that it is not their job to point your children to Jesus Christ? It is your job. You are the one who is supposed to be raising them in a way that causes them to seek after Christ. Tabitha was a woman who was so devoted to the Lord that the people around her, they believed. They loved it. They, they appreciated her generosity and her compassion Many, many came to believe because of what they saw in her. As a parent, that is your greatest responsibility. Make sure that your kids see it in you. If you don't have kids in your home, then be that light for someone else. You say, well, my kids are already grown up. It's too late. No, it's not. It's never too late. Point your kids to Jesus. Lead them to Jesus by the way you live your life. You have one job to do. Do it well. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we are so grateful for you and what you have done, for the grace that you have extended to us. We don't deserve it, but man, you've given it, and we simply say thank you today. But Lord, as we give thanks to you today, 
we also recognize that you have given us a great responsibility. But I want to take a moment and I want to pray for our young people, to pray for our children. Father, we recognize that some of them are not serving you in the way that they should. And Lord, right now, I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, that you would convict their hearts. And I pray that they would immediately recognize the need for you. Father, I pray that you would give us the words to speak into their lives. Give us the boldness to proclaim the truth, not only with our words, but the way we live in front of them. Lord, give us such a devotion to you so that when they look at our lives, they would know that we are different from other parents, for we have been filled with the Spirit of God, and therefore we have a job to do, and we are well equipped to do it. Father, I pray today that you would help us as men and women of God to live in such a way that the rest of the world would look at us and know that we are different. Let it start in our homes. Father, forgive us where we have fallen short. And from this moment forward, help us to walk in such a way that we would truly reflect you. Thank you again for our moms. Lord, we are grateful. Help us to honor them today. Help us to honor them every day by walking in a way that honors you. And we will give you praise for what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is such a blessing to have you with us on Mother's Day. And thank you very much for being a part and letting us be a part of your Mother's Day. I hope that you will reach out to your moms if you haven't done so already. It is great to have you today. Go in peace.